And it's that spirit, it's that Holy Spirit that the scripture talks to us about that leads us to the truth sometimes. I've tied this together with this, is that so many of us came into faith in believing in the Lord, believing in morals, believing in right and wrong, sitting in a pew on Sunday morning. And that it was there that when, when, when something happened or somebody would ask a question or somebody did something wrong, you'd have that gut feeling. You'd have that check in your spirit that you would knew it was right or wrong. And that is the helper. That's what God, that's what the Messiah said was going to come after he was gone, was his spirit was going to come and it was going to, going to be help you to remember the words of Yeshua and all the things that he commanded. And that spirit inside of you was that gut check that everybody has and everybody's still sitting in church on Sunday morning. There's a lot of people that still have that too. But then we come into knowledge. We come into what we call truth. We learn about Torah, the commandments, those teachings. And those things we read though, we finally open our Bibles from page one instead of two thirds through the book. And you go back, you start reading and then you realize that there, everything that you knew in your spirit is confirmed with words on a page. Amen and amen. But what happens is people go so far into that, go so far into the truth, go so far into the words on the page that they then forget that immeasurable feeling that's unquantifiable, that's in their heart, in their soul, that speaks to them and tells them right and wrong. But yet, for the most part, our movement is very, very comfortable with staying the same. Don't you dare take the plastic off of grandma's couch. quickest way to get beat. We're worried if we say Jesus. We're worried if we say Yahweh. Because it's Yahovah. It's Yahuwah. Tell you what, none of us are Hebrew scholars. So let's just do the best we can. We allow semantics to define us. And those semantics drive a wedge between us and others. Especially in the generational gap.
everything I have is yours Shalom and welcome to our live stream. My name is Chris Frankie and I'm one of the pastors here at HFF. We're glad that you've joined us. If this is your first time joining us for a service, welcome. The service is going to start in just a couple of minutes. At Hebraic Family Fellowship, we are a family-centered fellowship. We believe that the most important ministry that the Lord has given us is to our own home, to our wives, our husbands, to our children. We're glad you're here with us. We pray that your Sabbath has been blessed. And we can't wait to meet you in person one day soon. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom, HFF family. Can't wait to be back with you. (laughs) Daniel holding his phone out. All of his girls are like. Shabbat Shalom. Welcome back to another Sabbath service online with HFF. Ephraim Judah, Daniel Musson. I am Chris. Uh, A couple of announcements for this week. Uh, We are seeing some light at the end of the tunnel. Last week, we uh, updated you guys on the fact that our goal was to meet in person on 
the 16th of May. Well, we can confirm that next week we will be back together in person. Mm -hmm. uh, we know a lot of people have been emailing, calling, texting, Facebooking, DMing, all that stuff, asking when, uh, but next week we will. So this will be the last week that we'll be doing just an online service. For those who've been following HFF for any time, you know we do the online service as a part of the in-person. But this will be the last week that we just do the online service. And next week, we'll all be back together uh, for the service. Uh, Rod Woodruff will be our special guest worship leader. Uh, so it'll be great to have Rod there to lead worship. So we invite you all to come on out and join us uh, and, and take part in our first time being able to gather for the Sabbath day. Also want to update you that uh, Lion and Lamb Ministries recently, um, I believe it was last night, announced uh, publicly that they will not be having the in-person uh, outpouring conference for Shavuot weekend, which was the last weekend of May. The 30th. The, yeah, the 30th. And so we will, with that announcement, we obviously will not be in Dallas uh, for that conference. So we will be hosting a Sabbath service with HFF. So starting next week and then continuing on for the foreseeable future, uh, we will be back in person meeting. So super excited to see you guys then. I know we're all excited to be back. Um, we don't have to stare into a camera anymore. Um, hopefully you don't bring blank stares uh, for us. So excited to see you guys uh, in person next week. Um, Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Job. All right, guys, stand up with me. I don't do concerts, so if you came for a concert, you came in the wrong place. We're going to join together. We're going to praise Adonai Zavaoth, the Lord of hosts, the Most High God, together tonight on this last night that we have together during the Hanukkah conference. Holy is the Lord our God. Holy is the Lord our God. Holy is the Lord our God. Holy is the Lord. I got the 
children they can either be a burden or they can be a blessing and a lot of that comes down to our hearts so father we thank you that our hearts can be for our children in this blessing father right now i ask you just favor them with life and health and peace right now we thank you so much for your goodness father every single one is a unique blessing and a unique gift from you father i know chris mentioned this morning about restoration thank you that these kids are part of our restoration process Father, not only seeing that, you know, the mistakes that we make in life, Father, we can see our children grow up and, and not make those same mistakes, but walk in the fullness. Teach us, Father, that we may raise our children in wisdom and in delight. Thank you, Father. You've called the Sabbath a delight, Father, and a lot of that has to do with us spending times and time 
with our families. Thank you, Father. We commit today to you. We ask that every single child here, Father, would be favored with your goodness, Father, to grow up and, and you to be building blocks and to be vessels in the glory of your kingdom. May they await your return and may they do your kingdom work in the meantime. We thank you now. We praise you for all these things in Yeshua's mighty name. Amen. What? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Commandments, Customs, Traditions, Part 4. Even Wayne's World couldn't get this far. So welcome back, Part 4. We're on our way to a Jurassic Park series. Just remember right now, as everybody is scared about what's going on with the world, some people are just frustrated. Jurassic Park, five times, five times dinosaurs, eight people, ravished their island, and they still opened back up. We're starting with that? Yep, we're starting with that. <laughs> <laughs> Five times. So we're back for the fourth time on commandments, customs, and traditions. Um, hope your Sabbath is going great. The weather is fantastic here in Oklahoma, wherever you're at. Hope that's going awesome for you. We decided to uh, all dress in solid colors today. Instead of plaid last um, time. Instead of plaid, yeah. Ephraim didn't get the memo. He's in mourning for uh, his haircut. Whatever. But uh, he's wearing black. At least I got one. I cut my own hair. Me too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, stop hating on my customs and my traditions. So we're going to get in uh, today. We're going to talk about an area that we actually don't spend a lot of time ever talking about at HFF, and that is the prophetic. Um, well, yeah. Depends on what your definition of prophecy is. Well, that's where we're going to yes. go today. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes. So that's where we're going to go today. So there is a lot of talk about prophecy, especially when things happen in the world. So right now we obviously have a lot of uneasiness, a lot of fear, a lot of that, and a lot of talk about prophecy. Mm -hmm. However, most people know that at least from a Christian standpoint in Christianity, the number one element of prophecy is always future things, future dates, future things that will happen, mm -hmm. future, 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 future. M most people's definition of prophecy is actually what the definition of eschatology is, mm. which is things that will happen in the future, the coming of the Lord, future And how to interpret, how, interpret how, that. How, how to interpret those things. And so when you say prophecy, that's where everybody's brain goes when, truth Correct. be told, prophecy has a different biblical definition. Correct. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. However, we want to just, we're going to throw out some terms for you because if you you do any research on this, and maybe you haven't heard it, maybe maybe that is your only understanding of prophecy, what you would see on the 700 Club or some of these other shows that have been around for a long period of time. Uh, maybe it's Kenneth Copeland blowing away the COVID-19. Um, COVID-19. COVID-19. <laughs> Kenneth, I don't know you, man, but uh, you didn't blow it away. It's still here. Um, Maybe you blew away 50% of it, though. They blew away all his integrity. Wait, this assuming he had some to begin with. Oh, yeah. man. Well, that happened. <laughs> He's not wrong. We're, we're really here talking about Kenneth Copeland. Okay. Right? Well, change the subject. All right. Let's get back in. Let's get back in on this. Okay. So, okay, so the future thought process is, is commonly known as a futuristic or futurism thought process, something that's to come, something that will happen in the future, 
It's all future-based. It hasn't happened yet. The other very common one, and there's, there's multiple, but these are the two most common, is a preterism thought process, which is one that basically states this is stuff that's all happened already. So those are the two most common prophetic, when we think of modern-day Christian prophecy, thought processes. So obviously when we look at Scripture, there are a lot of things that talk about things that will happen from that time frame. So let's talk about that a little bit. You know, where, where do you guys fall? Um, you know, what kind of eschatology do you personally subscribe to? Obviously, we're all shooting in the dark. Let's just be honest. All of us are shooting right. in the dark because mm -hmm. none of us are God. None of us know exactly what he was meaning through his visions to yeah. the writers at that time. We're trying to use wisdom and discernment and the information given to us to make the best interpretation or opinion on those texts. Right. Now, to go off of something that Ephraim alluded to, the first thing that we need to do is to define what prophecy is, what biblically, from a biblical <laughs> standpoint, what is this? Unfortunately, we view, um, we have inherited, have absorbed a view that, it, that looks at prophecy and biblical prophecy as something that's strictly about foretelling, when in reality, that's about 20% at max, mm -hmm. of what the prophets spoke about. The prophecy is not about foretelling, although there is some of that that's involved mm -hmm. in stating that this is what's going to happen in the future. But it's within the context of prophecy, the overriding message of pr the prophets is repent. Turn around from the way you're going, mm -hmm. or this will happen. Mm -hmm. That's what prophecy is. It's the message of repentance. It's the message of turn back from the direction that you're going, make teshuva, return to the ways of the Lord, or these things will happen. Because of the stubbornness of your heart, you will continue to go in your way, and these things are going to happen. So mm -hmm. be aware, when they happen, it's another call for you to repent and return. And that, that's the theme of all the prophets of Israel. Absolutely. Was that the, the God called these men to come and speak these things to cause the people to repent, to turn back to the Lord. I, I take a little bit, I, I think prophecy also has kind of even a broader definition that you can just simply say that if you convey the word of the Lord, the one who speaks for the Lord, when the Lord lays something on one's heart and then somebody speaks the word of the Lord, you can call that prophecy as well. In 1 Corinthians 14, the Apostle Paul says this in the first five verses. Um, now, he's comparing prophecy and the speaking in tongues, right. but it, we, through these words, you can sort of outline what is prophecy and what is prophecy for. So it says this, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish for you all, uh, for um, you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks in a tongue, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. So, the the contrast to the speaking of tongues is that's for a personal individual, unless there's an interpreter, and then that when that's when speaking in tongues can be the edification to the congregation or the church. But 
in those words, he specifically says, prophecies are for the edification, exhortation, and comfort of men. The exhortation is the case where you're saying repent. You're, right. you're trying to get action out mm -hmm. of you know the person who's hearing it. But prophecy can also edify yeah. and comfort those when somebody is in mourning and it's all like, look, the Lord has said that you know He is our comforter, He is our deliverer, He is our redeemer. That is prophecy as well. Right, which is why every prophet close to the end of their message mm -hmm. always points to, but remember, Adonai will always be there and he will always return you. He yeah, will remember always the promises. You. Remember Absolutely. the yeah. promises. And so, so a prophet, truly a person who is a prophet of the Lord, speaks the word of the Lord. They speak, you, you speak what God has, uh, what ha God has laid on your heart, and then you use that to edify somebody, to comfort them, to, to share a word, a message. That is prophecy. Prayer warriors in congregations often, you know, hear from the Lord and pray something over somebody that it, it just comes from the Lord. It didn't right. come from their, their personal being, their own knowledge of a situation. No, that, and that's kind of almost what I believe is the modern, how prophecy sort of manifests in modern congregations is sometimes somebody that just knows what to pray for somebody. Um, you know, because there, there's certain people that... Um, uh, the gifts of the the church that we're we're all teachers, we're all apostles, we're all pastors, we're all prophets or uh, evangelists, and so sometimes a person will stand up, will be a teacher. But then also sometimes somebody will stand up and they will be a prophet. I mean, the Lord is just speaking His word through that person, and so truly, what I believe that is the defin the biblical definition of prophecy. Yeah, and what you'll often find as well is uh, along the line of gifts. Um, you know, we all know, we've all taken the test and we know what our gifts are and, and none of us excels in prophecy. Um, for all three of us, when we took that test, like we all scored very low in the prophetic. Um, oftentimes, those that are strong in that gift of prophecy they end up alienating themselves quite a bit. Well, they end up and being hated by other people yes. because... They, Scripture they, says so. Yeah, prophets are, are without honor in their own home, right. hometown. Mm -hmm. and a lot of times it's that for the prophet, they see the black and the white. Mm -hmm. They Correct. don't see the gray. There's no Correct. room for compromise. It's more of 100%. a, look, everything has to be this way. Mm -hmm. and, and we need that... Uh, you know, influence in our fellowships and things of that nature, but then you have the opposite extreme where it's all that. And, Correct. And, and that's where there has to be this balance that takes place. Yeah. When, when, when yeah. a prophet stands up and speaks, you know, some people interpret what they're saying as like, it's like, oh, well, who are you to say that? Right. Judgment. Or who yeah. are you to mm -hmm. make that judgment? Yeah. You know, it's like, get off your high horse, your soapbox or whatever. Yeah. You have no right to say that. When the prophet, all they're doing is they're just executing the gift that God has given to them. And what they say usually is true. And usually, it, well, no, it is true if it's true prophecy. It's right. true. And it, it cuts to the soul. It, 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 those words penetrate you. Some people don't like that. Mm -hmm. Some people are like, I don't like hearing that. So Most instead, what I'm going to do, I'm going to do the human thing, and I'm going to hate the messenger and not the message. Yep. And that's why prophets are the most hated of all the offices of ministry. Right. Now, yeah. because obviously, uh, you know, as we discussed, the majority of the perception of prophecy is that it's foretelling, you know, mm -hmm. telling things that are to happen in the yeah, future. Let's, let's talk about that. Right. How are we to uh, uh, address and to apply the prophecies that we see in Scripture, those that are for sure, speaking of something that appears to be or is indicated that mm -hmm. it's sometime in the future 
from that person's perspective. Okay, so how do we tackle that? Well, first <laughs> off, I, the, the danger of that a lot of times is how we then take that, that future foretelling, and we turn around and we, what do we do with it? adjust our lives. Yeah. And, and again, you know, we've, we've talked a lot in some of these segments and even in individual teachings where we try to put a huge emphasis, and all of us are fairly young, you know, 30s and 40s. We're in what a biblical time would be considered our priesthood, so to speak, and the servants, the servanthood of the Lord in that time frame. We're not elders by biblical definition, and we're definitely not sages by biblical definition. And so in that, what, what we stress a lot is not knowledge because knowledge in and of itself uh, puffs up. If you have the lacking of the understanding of the knowledge that's given to you and you can't use that wisely for the benefit of yourself or another, then it's very dangerous. And so when we hear things, and, and this is, I mean, throughout my whole entire life in all the denominations of Christianity, including the Messianic movement, when you hear something that's foretelling and you're seeing events with your own eyes that may be that prophecy, may be a fulfillment of that, overwhelmingly, it's fear-based. Mm. And, and, and I don't know why, because you do hear people who will say like, well, I've read, the, I've read the whole entire book. I know what the end is. You'll hear some people who even talk on a prophetic from a futuristic standpoint, they will end their messages even with that. Like, well, we, we've read the whole book. We know, we know in the end we're not to fear because the Lord is going to win. But that seems to be glossed over by the overwhelming majority. Not everybody, but the majority. And so what we see is we see a constant, I call it crack. For the, spiritual, for the spiritual person. It's a constant string along. It's like a high. It's like you hear something. How much for a little bit of that prophecy? If I give you a dime, can you pour some in my hand? Don't you stop tithing. <laughs> <laughs> but like when you hear those things, it's, and, and again, I don't, I don't think necessarily that people are, are, they're not attempting to do that. Mm -hmm. I, a lot of people genuinely, I mean, we genuinely, we want to see the return of Messiah. We want to see the new Jerusalem. We want to see the fulfillment of the Jews and the Gentiles being made one in his hand. We want to see those things. What an honor it would be to live in those days to see that firsthand. But what we see overwhelmingly is that we see people who aren't thinking about, okay, maybe this is the sign of the second coming of Messiah. Maybe we should repent. Maybe we should turn from what we do. Maybe we should start gathering. No, what we see is we see an, an, an instant self-preservation mm -hmm. and then an instant like anybody who's not. Well, we hear the term like, well, you're not one of the wise versions. And it automatically becomes divisive. Mm -hmm. Whereas, again, like we pointed out early on, true prophecy was about individuals and nation, the nation, the Hebrews, to repent and turn back to God. So to make teshuva turn from the direction they were going, their sinful nature, self-righteousness, whatever, and return back to the ways of God. Well, we immediately do the opposite in modern prophetic situations. It's dangerous because it's very divisive mm -hmm. inside communities, inside uh, denominations. Uh, I mean, well, I mean, all of us know of people who have sold their homes, quit their jobs, got rid of their pet, whatever, thinking Y2K. Um, Kissinger was the Antichrist, Prince Charles was the Antichrist, Obama was the Antichrist. Oh my goodness. Like, yes. Some, some the, prince in Saudi Arabia is the Antichrist. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, Bashar Assad is the, mm -hmm. I mean, like, 
every time somebody comes up with a spirit that uh, or or actions that appear to be maybe anti-Messiah, all of a sudden this is the new leading candidate for the final Antichrist. And and even in that specific situation, when you read throughout the scripture, the spirit of the Antichrist exists throughout every generation, right. throughout multiple people. It is, it is a spirit to be anti of the Messiah. Right. And mm-hmm. so if the Messiah came to, to cause us to repent, to cause us to love, to cause us to not be self-righteous and to constantly be looking at ourselves as our own provision, to take care of the, the needy, the widows, the orphans, well, the Antichrist is the complete opposite. Well, think of yourself. Think of your own being. You don't need a God. You don't need to repent. You didn't do anything wrong. And it's all about inward thought process. Yeah. Well, we see that a lot, even now, mm-hmm. in this generation in America. We're always thinking about ourselves. Every person, and I say every person, not just every believer, and, and this includes every believer as well, mm-hmm. is at war with the spirit and the flesh. Mm-hmm. I, it, yep. it is it is a constant battle, constant struggle. Even your most fervent Christian believer, heart for God, you know, operates in the Spirit, prays to the Lord, great prayer life. All of the, even that person still wars with the flesh uh, mm-hmm. on the inside. And so, when you have something going on in the news, if you have something that is looks like a fulfillment of end time eschatology, prophecy, something, some precursor to the return of the Lord. Immediately, you know, we then start to wonder, okay, well, what is my, how does my flesh survive? Okay, I'm going to need to store up food. I need to do this. I need to buy all the toilet paper. I need to do all of these things to preserve myself and my body. And that's what, and, and action is often more, is performed by the body. It's the one, it's, mm-hmm. the, it's the member of who you are, body, soul, and spirit, that performs actions. And so then you, your flesh wants to act on it, on that, on what's going on, and is influenced by that prophecy or what's going on in the news cycle. The spirit, which is our thoughts and our emotions that often influences our actions, it, the spirit of every believer is all like, of course, I got to trust in the Lord in this. My own, I, 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 the scripture says it, my own strength, my own flesh cannot deliver me. It's going to have to be the Lord and His Spirit that delivers me and guides me through all of this. And that's the reaction that many of us need to have when we watch the news, when we do these things. We always need to let the Spirit of the Lord that is inside every single believer when they've invited the Spirit to come into their life and let that be the thing that leads us. But that doesn't change the fact that those the spirit and the flesh are still at war. Mm-hmm. It doesn't stop you from one moment, one fleeting moment, that then your flesh is like, yeah, but... What if I run out? Mm-hmm. What if I do run out of food? No. What if I can't? What if mm-hmm. I can't get to the store? And so that that war is constantly going on. And so every believer know, knows to say, oh, of course, the, the the Lord will deliver us. But then the wrestling in our own minds, we continue to fight that, and that's because we're not we're not wholly fully submitted to the Lord. We still. You know, fear. There, and that's what, and that's where fear is led in. Fear mm-hmm. is is a manifestation of the flesh. It's the way mm-hmm. the flesh consumes the spirit and causes your spirit to operate out of fear, rather than out of love and patience and goodness and all the fruits of the spirit yeah. that of the Holy Spirit. That is should be the thing that always guides us through all things. Fruits of the of the flesh versus fruits of the spirit. Exactly. Now, along those lines of what you've both just described, they're the results or the fruits, to use that segue, mm-hmm. of futurism. 
And that, mm-hmm. that look at prophecy and saying that uh, the interpretation of prophecy is that all these things are to come, and we're looking for all these things to happen. Mm-hmm. Well, there's another, as Chris referenced earlier, and maybe you're not familiar with this phrase, but there's another view called preterism. And preterism is essentially the view that it's all already happened, that basically everything that was prophesied has taken place, and that most of it took place specifically in AD 70 in the destruction of the temple and destruction of Jerusalem, Mm -hmm. and that those things were fulfilled. The problem that we have is that we can show both views Mm -hmm. of specific prophecies that have been already fulfilled, but that really can't you know, be fulfilled in the future necessarily unless you really twist things. And then on the other hand, there are things that clearly did not already happen. You really got to twist that understanding to make sure that it already happened versus something that's coming in the future. I think we all fall somewhere in the middle where it's like this all or nothing mentality is just, it, 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 it doesn't jive with as the Lord moves, as His Spirit moves in the present, it's all like, yeah, He's been faithful in the past. He will be faithful in the future. It's not that Oh yeah, nothing. All that word is all done away with, and right. it doesn't matter anymore. Or um, oh, we can't understand any of it because it's all still going to yeah. happen in the future. Well, it creates a war against the against the internal believers. So yeah, there's already a war. We talked about the spiritual and the physical. There's already a war that's happening around us every day in our own personal lives as a community as believers. But then what we do is we create a war inside the body of believers because if you fall under a perspective that these things all already happened, then you get frustrated with the people who are saying, oh, this might be the the fulfillment of this coming prophecy or this is what we're looking at. And then on the other flip side of that, if you're a a futurist, then ultimately you're frustrated with the people who are not looking and you pin yourself against one another with those. And I mean, we see with Judaism, for example, one of the core elements of what they believe the Mashiach must do is to bring peace. Well, by using that mentality, they're looking for, for a more futuristic type of thought process, which is why they believe Yeshua cannot be the Messiah currently as it so, sits, what, because he didn't bring peace. Wake yeah. up. Do we have peace? No? Okay, Messiah hasn't okay, come Okay, so yet. Messiah wasn't here. So Jesus, Yeshua, isn't, isn't Messiah. Right. right. Well, so. along, along those lines, I'd like to give two illustrations on the way that, that prophecy really should be viewed from our perspective you know, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 years away from when some of these things were given. Mm -hmm. The first, along those very same lines, is this concept that has developed within Judaism about Moshiach ben David Mm -hmm. and Moshiach ben Yosef. Mm -hmm. And this is 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 the the (laughs) attempt to try and harmonize these disparate prophecies about the Messiah. That he how can you be both? How can you be a suffering servant and a conquering king at the same time? Right, right. How can you, uh, you come riding as, uh, I think it's Isaiah says, lowly on the, on the colt, on the foal of a donkey, and as uh, we see in Daniel, come riding on the clouds of glory with, mm-hmm. with you know, great fanfare. How can you do both? How can uh, you do and, both, okay? correct. Well, a lot of that, I think, is for us as believers in Messiah, it's easier for us to see these things, to make these distinctions, because, of course, we know that Messiah has come once, that He will come again, and He will fulfill these things. Mm-hmm. But I think if we, if we viewed it from a standpoint of, um, if we were standing in, in front of, uh, say, the, the Rocky Mountains, okay, and we were looking over all the different mountain peaks there are out there, we can see the different peaks, 
What we can't see are the valleys that are between those peaks. Correct. And this is the way that prophecy should be looked at, is that there are some peaks that are much closer to us. There's some intermediate peaks and there's some peaks that are very far from us. And prophecy isn't limited to just one of those peaks. And that there could be multiple interpretations and fulfillments of those prophecies, but we don't know the amount of time, what's in that valley, what circumstances are there between those different fulfillments that's taking place. Um, I'd like to cite Isaiah 61, which is one of our favorite passages as an example. This is the passage that Yeshua read from when he was in the synagogue. Mm -hmm. And this is a classic example because he stopped reading. You see, he, he started reading, The Spirit of Adonai Elohim is upon me because Adonai has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of Adonai. And he closed the scroll and gave it back. And he mm -hmm. said, Today these words have been fulfilled in your hearing. Mm -hmm. The problem is, it goes on, yep. and it talks about the day of the vengeance of our Elohim, and to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, a mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting, so they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of Adonai, that he may be glorified. And then it goes on to give physical descriptions about they will rebuild the ancient ruins. They mm. will rebuild these things. Mm. The context here. Isaiah is giving these things after Babylon has already captured uh, a good portion of the land of Israel. Okay? Yes. Assyria has taken mm -hmm. off the northern ten tribes. Babylon has come in, suppressed the majority of Judah, taken a lot of them off. Things of this nature is, uh, is what's happening in the context of this. So what is Isaiah talking about? And then Yeshua quoting from this portion. And if we were to say that, well, According to his words, these things have been fulfilled already. Preterist view. Okay. Mm -hmm. What about what comes What after? about that? Because yeah, those correct. ancient ruins to this day have not been rebuilt. Although we may say that Israel yeah. is being restored in our day and time. Mm -hmm. There's specific things that are here and in Jeremiah chapter 30 and 31. Correct. They give specific physical uh, notations as to what will be rebuilt. The Tower mm -hmm. of Hananel and these other things. Correct. Those things haven't yet happened. Well, it ties also in with the, the prophecies that are in the book of Haggai as well. I mean, because some of the preterist thought process is the fact that when, when the Persians then come in and allow a portion of the Jews to go back, that that was a rebuilding. And while the temple was not as beautiful as Solomon's, and they were wary about the things. And so, yes, yes, all of it is yes. Because in, from a standpoint of, and this was commonly used, especially in the early 2000s, the Hebrew versus the Greek thinking, which again is, 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 is putting a, divisa, a, a division between two different thought processes. But a Hebrew thought process we all know is very cyclical. So you could have the same thing over and over and over again. We obviously know that God has established things and he fulfills those things multiple times over. Two witnesses, three witnesses, four witnesses. So these things could happen over and over and over again. Yeah. So could it be preterism and could it have been something that happened in the past? Absolutely. Could it be something that happens in the future? Absolutely. Okay. 
obviously it's not done. We're not here. I mean, there's even the prophecy thought process that right now, here and now, this is the millennial kingdom. The, right. I've heard that like 10 times right. recently. The thing, like, that's, the thing that is fascinating about the word of God is that when, when God speaks, God exists outside of time. And when he speaks, he can speak something that is applicable to the past, applicable to right. the present, and applicable to the future. And he can say one sentence and do it all yes. at the same time. He's Correct. not held that's, by our perception he, of time. He, he is not confined to that at all. And so when you read scripture and, we, and whether you're doing a Torah study and you say there's multiple levels to the Torah, you can do the same thing with any prophetic word yeah. that you can say that that prophecy is referencing and parallel something that took place in the past. It is applicable to those that are hearing it in the day it was said. And that then you can hear it again in the future, and it has applicability there as well. That that is the, the spirit of God alive in that you to is, allow the word to be alive in you. That is the power of God. Saying that God can't do that is somehow that that God is limited. Right. Oh, that God said something in the past, and now it doesn't mean anything anymore. Um, no, well, we have a God. We serve a God that declared the end from the beginning, correct. and and in all of those things. What we what our mindset always does. Now, this is where I I always keep going back to this about us not being in balance, body, soul, and spirit. There's three parts that make us who we are. There's three parts that make God. And there's also three different tenses of time, past, present, and future. Mm -hmm. And if we focus on one tense or one part of God or one part of us is out of balance, then Correct. we are not whole like God is whole. We're not, we're not taking the bird's eye view of what the power of God is in his word. And that's exactly what we're talking about. We're talking about futurism. It's like they're just focused on the future. It's all going to happen in the future. Or praetorism. Oh, it's all in the past. It all happened before. And it's like, yeah. and that, that is a, a pitfall that people make by focusing only on, say, one part of God. Oh, it's Correct. just about his spirit. Uh, yeah, the sun came. It yep. doesn't matter anymore. Or just focus on Jesus, his sacrifice, and you disregard the spirit or the God the Father. Or you just pay attention to the Old Testament. All you do is pay attention to God the Father, and you have no idea of about the Son, and you really don't give that much respect to the Spirit of God moving either. That is the yeah. mistake we all make. And in that mistake is where the, is where the flesh prevails. Fear works that same way too, going, wrapping back to that. Anxiety is future tense fear. You're fearful Correct. what's going to happen in the future. Depression is past tense fear. Correct. You're depressed and you fear of that you don't have enough or what's already come is all that's ever going to be. Mm -hmm. And then you have then there's present tense fear as well, which complete dread. And so, again, that's where when you focus only on one, you actually allow for the flesh to just sort of divide, you know, divide from the spirit. Or you allow for the spirit to divide from the flesh. And it's like we are not supposed to divide ourselves. We're supposed to be one and whole as God is Correct. whole and one. This is why we have to take a step back in these discussions. And we can say, look, there's some smart things over here that some preter preterists have said before. Correct. There are some applicability to the fact that there are prophecies that have not been fulfilled yet. But we need to take a step back and we need to let the word of God speak to us in the tense that God spoke it. Yeah. which is potentially the past, present, or future. There's a yeah. beautiful mountain range that's there, mm -hmm. and that past, present, and future are all included there's in There's some that. mountains behind mm -hmm. you. You can look right. behind you, and there's mountains there, there's right. mountains there. We're standing on the mountain. There's fog below us, and sometimes there's d distance. Sometimes there's it's behind us. Sometimes it's in front of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, I mean, you see all the extremes. They're, they're all over the place. I mean, you get, I mean, even down to the point where people say, well, I don't, I don't need anything other than the Bible. There's no, there's no new revelations. There's no new whatever, and they they automatically say, 
say without, I mean, they will never admit it if you put it this way, but they basically say, well, the Holy Spirit and God isn't working right now. God stopped with Paul and with James and with Matthew and Isaiah and mm -hmm. everything that happens in the future was given to John no. or given to Isaiah. Yeah. They completely gloss over all the minor prophets. You know, they're looking at Ezekiel or Isaiah or Jeremiah or the book of Revelation uh, and they gloss over Obadiah, they gloss over Haggai, they got Malachi. gloss over Malachi, all of these other things. And, and we can make the Bible say whatever we want the Bible to say. If you want the Bible to be nothing but something that is telling you the future, you can make it do that. It's not intended to be that way. Mm -hmm. If you wanted to make it be only a historical document that only foretold things that happened in history, you can make it say that. Sure. Wasn't intended to be that way. We can, our brains have the power right now to make whatever we want. This is where we if, get the shapes if, of the earth. If, if the word of God is only capable of being understood in one of those contexts, then you are putting limits on the word of God. Yeah. You simply and, are. Or the power of his spirit to move. You as a worship leader, you've heard all the arguments that we should only be singing songs out of the Psalms. Mm -hmm. we've, all, we've heard that one before. It's like, oh, I only, I only listen to, to music. And it's like... So my, David was the only person that God ever ever yeah. worshiped through or, or anointed ever wrote, or, or anointed anything when i am or my, paul wilbur is the only one who's <laughs> ever anointed for messianics I, I, i've like. seen in my own personal walk i have seen words and psalms and and words of worship sung to music that were written only a few years ago or written mm -hmm. in the 80s or written i mean i believe that there have been in our presence modern day psalmists mm -hmm. that the spirit of god has moved through ron cannoli to, to say ron cannoli is one of my <laughs> rich mullins i'd put in that category michael w smith i'd put in that category toby mac i put okay <laughs> well, 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 well we'll agree on that one too it, it, all, all it is all it is is that we're the spirit of god can move and to say that it's like oh all of that was only applicable in the past yeah. is just putting a limit on that oh i guess god's spirit can't move today well then what what are we what are we worshiping for what are we yeah. living for why are we even call ourselves religious men if if that's all that's possible yeah. there's definitely things for us to look for well to come back to what you were talking about about the the more minor prophets and things yeah. of that nature mm -hmm. There's something that actually works perfectly here is that um, we see that in the prophet Zechariah, in his closing words, he talks about how there's coming a day where every man will go up to Jerusalem and celebrate Sukkot. And those who do not, then there will be no rain on their nations. You know, they, they will not receive the, the bounty and blessing of the harvest and things of this nature. It's quite a judgment for not keeping one of the commandments. Right. Okay. But we don't see that yet. Therefore, this must be a future application. Uh, just depends application. on, it depends on so, the version of the Bible you're reading. Because the version of the Bible I read says that you must go up to Chandler. <laughs> right. I'm but, just saying. But that leads us to what are we to do and say about look, that seems to be a command, one of the one of the Hagim, one of the, the pilgrimage festivals that's to take place, that clearly is going to be reinstituted, according to the words of Zechariah, reinstituted at a future time when he establishes his kingdom, the sacrifices are, are yeah, reinstituted. Three, times. three right. times you're supposed to go up to Jerusalem. So why aren't we doing that now? Oh, that's a, that's a good one. Um, that actually was one that came up pretty prevalent about a year or so ago, specifically talking about the Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, and I just got to say that we are not to go out of our way to self-fulfill prophecy. Mm. 
That's, that, so tying both of those commands together, it's very dangerous. And, and it doesn't even have to necessarily be biblical. You can speak things into existence. We know that, that life and death comes through the power of the tongue and what we speak can take on a life form of its own. But we, a lot of times, will speak our own prophecies and then we'll attempt to actually create those prophecies ourselves. Hence the reason with the Antichrist or, you know, are we supposed to go futuristic time to where all the nations will go up or there will be uh, the God will withhold his blessing from the nations that don't go up to that. And so our goal then should not be to go and have us be the ones to self-fulfill that futuristic prophecy of when we should gather. And so we're running around and trying to take everybody and we're trying to take them to Sukkot and we're trying to, how dare you not keep the Feast of Tabernacles in Jerusalem and you know we but we yet we don't work with the Jews yeah. so we're setting up our own trip in our own corner of Jerusalem when the Jews are there and we're doing our own thing like these things are dangerous when we start to take and elevate our own self-importance above God his timing and his anointing and so I just I want to make sure that that's that's clear from my perspective because it ties to both the segueing into the three times a year we're supposed to go uh, to Israel, to Jerusalem, excuse me, and to the understanding of prophecy. But, you know, I, I believe one of the biggest things we have to look at here is that we are in the dispersion. Mm -hmm. I don't care if you, if you consider yourself going back to last week's talk, are you a part of the 12 tribes, are you not, whatever, the DNA test, all the nonsense that goes on in our human flesh right now. Israel has not been reestablished as the kingdom, and the people have not been drawn back. Isaiah talks about that in Isaiah 43. Some of the other things. God has not brought back all the people. He has not brought them back. He has not declared that space. He is not reigning in that space the same way he was before. Does that mean that the anointing on the land is not there? No. Don't ever speak against the land of Israel. Don't speak against the Holy Land. That's, that's our inheritance. But right now, it's not feasible for a lot of people. It's absolutely not. Now, some of that, unfortunately, is your own doing because you're not saving your tithes. You can't even afford to go to the next city over to do something special for these feasts, even if you're just doing it with a, a home fellowship. But we don't make, I mean, Shavuot being one right around the corner, we're messianics. We're returning to the, the commandments of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And yet Shavuot is just a blimp. Hey, I'll go to a hotel conference in Nashville, Tennessee, and I'll spend $4,000 in the middle of June, which has no thing to do with the Lord. But I won't come together for a feast that is a commanded micro kodesh. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I won't come together on that and use my money for that. Or I'll use my money for a non-commanded feast, but then I, I won't leave my house or my dwelling for Sukkot. And then we'll justify to ourselves that, well, there's only, there's only like three Sabbaths during Sukkot. So it doesn't say I can't work the rest of the days. So we, we don't put an emphasis on those things, even not going back. And we haven't even got there from a biblical yeah. standpoint. But we really truly are not Torah observant. And we truly are not putting the emphasis on the holy days We're, of the Lord right now as a corporate body. Some of you are, and I'm not, being, I'm not condemning you. I'm just saying that as a, as a global body right now, we're not even putting the emphasis on it. So if we can't even put the emphasis on it in our own homes, in our own communities, in our own region, in our own nation, what are we waiting for? Are we waiting for Mashiach to come back and say, now you must, a, a checklist, you have to go to Jerusalem, otherwise I'm going to send uh, murder hornets mm -hmm. to get you.
we, we all do not fully follow Torah. We don't keep the commandments. We, we don't give them all equal weights. We don't pay very much close attention to them. Um, you know, Feast of First Fruits, you know, gets glossed over in the middle of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Um, Shavuot, Pentecost is kind of like that extra little, like one day thing, but all we really, we more focus on fall holidays or, or the, or we focus more We on, love the camp. Oh, we love that. We love Hanukkah and the gift yep. giving for that or Purim and getting dressed up, but then Shavuot, mm, eh, that one's not as big a deal. It's like, no, that's one of the commanded feasts. You mean we spring all, Halloween? We all, yeah, that one. We all fail to keep Torah More to its fullest and to its complete to to its completeness. We just we don't do it. Um, we all are. To, that's why we always have said Torah pursuant in, in this congregation, and mm-hmm. that we are doing our best to keep those things with our whole heart. Now, you can look at certain physical aspects of things that you're supposed to do on the feast, but we don't have a temple. We can't go yeah. and keep all the sacrifices. We can't keep. No, right. I think it's Numbers twenty-eight, completely unfulfillable in our day yeah. of all the, the sacrifices that are supposed to be done on these holidays. Can't be mm-hmm. done. So then, that is one of the things that certain people justify. Now, not that we're trying to justify not keeping the feast, but that justifies wh- why we can't go to Jerusalem. I mean, if we if, well, if, if truly a, can't keep the feast, then yeah, if there's commandments can't. that are listed in Leviticus that specifically say in order to keep this feast by Adonai throughout. All your generations, which we this use, this is what you're to do. And you're commanded to bring an offering to the temple. If there is no temple and there is no altar and there is no Kohanim, there is no feast. So, does that mean that we're supposed to just wipe it, just not celebrate it, just well, forget about it, not even mark our calendars? It's a remembrance. Ultimately, this conversation is exactly the same conversation we just had. So, what happens here is that people take the commands of the festivals. And you, they end up in one of two camps, rather, just like the futurists versus the preterists, rather than right. viewing it as, well, look, there's a whole understanding that's here. That fact is that three times a year, at, at least at a minimum, the men are required to go up to Jerusalem. However, there's also these accompanying sacrifices that have to take place with those. That's the context of you shall have all your men presented before me three times a year. The context is bring these sacrifices. We have no priesthood. We have no altar. Those sacrifices literally cannot be performed right now. Correct. So we have a choice to make. Either we can go to one extreme and say, oh, well, we can't do that part, so might as well not do any Doesn't of matter. it. Okay? Which then you completely miss out on the significance of what these days the symbolize, what they what they're supposed what, to. The cyclical pattern again yeah. of how God continues to remind us and do things yes. to teach yeah. us throughout our generations. Right. Which ties back to last week when we were talking about the, the structured liturgical prayers and how it's actually easier to teach your children if there is a structure because they understand them. Even though it may not be free-flowing and the Spirit may not be doing that, but repetition does teach us. Mm-hmm. If we go back to the time, and I know you didn't, you didn't keep Christmas and Easter at any point of time in your life. I think I was three. Okay, okay. So in your remembrance, you didn't do it. No memory of it. But if we remember how hard it was to break the, the cyclical pa- pattern that we had in our life of buying gifts, um, dying eggs, getting your Easter best, like all the traditions our families had for those holidays and how hard it was for us to break those things 
when we decided that we didn't believe that they were honoring to God in our personal practices and then seek out what was honoring to God and what he did ask us to do and how hard that was. And if you have kids who have gone through that, you know, it, it was even harder because it wasn't just a husband and a wife or an individual. Your family was doing it. Can you imagine if you're to, to try to do that almost instantaneously when there is a temple? Well, what importance would a temple have for you if you weren't remembering the parallels and the precepts that were the underlying cause for the times you were called to right. do so? Yeah. And then again, and we, 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 we got onto certain elements of Christianity earlier on, but let's be honest, the selfish nature of people in certain ministries and certain individuals, they're looking for an advantage to take over people. So it's somehow, it's holier if you say, well, you come to Sukkot and, and come, we're Messianic believers and we're going to go back to the land for Sukkot. And that's the only true way to keep it. They're lying to you. Yes. There is no temple. Mm -hmm. So yes, are you able to maybe walk in the land of our king at that point in time? Yes. Is there anything wrong with doing that? No. But there's still no temple. And then let's go to the other extreme of that for the people who then say, well, it's where the Lord puts his name. So you have to go to Jerusalem. You're not, nobody's keeping right. the feast right unless Correct. you're in Jerusalem Or right the now. other side of that where it's like, well, when the temple was destroyed, and we'll go back to what we talked about last week, and the temple is now in here. So if the temple is here, the Lord has put his name on my dwelling. So I'm going to go kill the lamb. I'm going to go kill a dove. Right. I'm going to go do, what are you doing? Yeah. You don't get to decide. Deuteronomy 16 speaks specifically against that. Yeah. You don't get to decide where God puts his name. Yeah. You don't get to decree that God is doing something that there is not a biblical precedent for. You're undermining, and honestly, this is, again, how we talk about Messianic Judaism versus the, the, the wayward elements of some of the Hebrew roots tricks that have gone off there. Uh, when you look at those things, you're disrespecting the, the heritage and the traditions of people who have at least attempted to keep those things. We have to find balance in all these things. I know we keep coming back to that word balance. We should make a t-shirt that says like hashtag PH balanced or something like uh, TP balance, toilet paper balance, but really it's Torah pursuant balanced. Um, but we have to find a balance in these things. Back to center, that might work. Uh, Is that still a thing? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't know. I mean, a dead corpse. I mean, you're 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 saying that all of it. It's like again, we we seem to like make the argument on one side or the other, and we see people on this side here, or people that might be on that side here, and we always find ourselves somewhere in the middle as far as trying to read the scripture, interpret it as it as best we can through. Correct. Luckily, the Holy Spirit is the one that's guiding us. That when it says that's like, yeah, you're not to make a sacrifice in your own dwelling, only in the place where He puts His name. Okay, so then that means I'm not going to replace the sacrifices with something right. I'm going to do in my own backyard. Even if I might believe that the temple is now a spiritual dwelling inside my heart, I, st I still can't do it in the way that it's said, as far as with a priest right. and an altar and all those different things. So yeah, yeah are you okay, a Kohenim then all of a sudden? Yeah, right? Like, no. Uh, no, but yeah, did you purify your then, altar? But then, but then you do have people. Holy nation. Did, but did, did we purify the altar? 
No, like no, it hasn't hasn't been done. But then, if you do have somebody, look, my my heart goes out to somebody. If somebody has the means and they have it stirred in their heart to say, it's like you know what, I, I want to go to Jerusalem this yeah, year for amazing. this feast, mm-hmm. yeah. and Fantastic. they go and they have an amazing time. And th- as long as they don't come back and then saying, oh, none of you, and, and all you hypocrites, you ain't keeping right. the feast unless you go with me to Jerusalem. It's like no, okay, yeah. the spirit mm-hmm. of you, your spirit has now revealed itself that you're not doing it well, because, or you're worse, doing they it bring a bad report from the Holy Land, like the spies did, and said, "Well, well, we were camped out in booths, and they just they just had stuff over their 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 balconies, yeah. or yeah, they they, they just came out right. to eat dinner." Right. And and now again, and and we have to be careful too. And I, I guess I should make sure I clarify: like we're not attempting to mock people, or even pass a judgment. Probably we're, should say that we're we're attempting to give the various perspectives that are widely talked about openly, mm-hmm. and given our position in multiple ministries and our time, we hear them a lot, and we co- we correspond with people who contact the ministry and ask these questions. Mm-hmm. And so these are things that are are regularly going on and being asked. So we're not attempting to mock or or judge. We're attempting to 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 talk about the fact that until we find a, a balance in the fact that there are certain things that are considered holy. And obviously right now, even we're going through the book of Leviticus through the Torah cycle readings. And so it's talking about holy and purity and ritual cleanliness and all these things. We can't start replacing things that the Lord has given us with our own interpretation. Mm -hmm. You can't start replacing the Kohanim. You can't start doing these things because that's replacement theology. That's Mm -hmm. that's exactly what a lot of the the Messianic believers will say about Christians in, in the church in general is that, well, the replacement theology that the church has now replaced Israel, this happens also some with the preterist thought process of the 70 AD, right. and, and now the church has replaced Israel, and some of those things are tied in. They're not exclusive, but some of them are. We have our own version of that. It just takes the form of Melchizedek priesthood and things of this nature. Correct. So. We can't start replacing commandments with customs. We can't start making our own traditions and then justifying them by the commandments. We have to be very careful that we're not using our own customs and our own traditions to replace. Mm-hmm. Now, we talked about this early on in, in the last couple of segments where if you create a custom or a tradition that helps you understand it or helps you remember or helps you celebrate and it doesn't go against the commandments, right. well, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But the moment you start creating a tradition that replaces the sacrificial system in Israel, you create your own altar, you create all of these different things, well, now you're encroaching on holy commandments of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Now your tradition and your custom is becoming something that is in direct conflict with commandments. That's the danger. Mm-hmm. Commandments are commandments. So if you can't keep a commandment right now, you can't go to Israel, you can't bring a dove, you can't bring a grain offering, you can't do whatever because the temple isn't there, don't automatically create your own commandments to say, well, now I'm, I'm keeping it. Well, because, well, no. to, 
to bring this full circle, if you find yourself in that position, you will find a prophet coming to you and telling you to repent from the way you're going and to return to the ways that are correct. And nobody likes to be told to repent. That's true. They I just don't. I want to hit on one, one, of, one of the things that you said where people have a desire to be the fulfillment of prophecy. Mm-hmm. That, is, that is absolutely a, a noble desire when you see the Word of God and you, you want the Lord to use you. And if you can be somebody that falls in line with something God has said previous, because again, everybody's always seeking their identity. They, Seeking their identity in God. Who am I? I? What is my purpose? What's my role? And so if you find a prophecy that you then see, it's like, oh, if I do this, then I can be the fulfillment of prophecy. And people will overstep, will work too hard to be that fulfillment of prophecy. Mm -hmm. The thing is also is that if you completely disregard, if you say, oh, we can't do that, we can't keep those commandments, can't keep those feasts or whatever, little do you know that you might actually be the fulfillment of prophecy (laughs) when you're the the person that has the the, the great coming apostasy and and falling away from the faith and those that are in need of a prophet to telling them to turn back in in their ways as well. It's one thing to for the Lord to use you. It's something that we can't force. We can't force God to, to, to use us. We simply have to take our hearts and submit to the Lord, His Word, so that, that we just fall in line with His will. The other thing, too, is God has a plan and a purpose to His prophecy. He says you know, that He's got an order, not chaos. He has planned it. He has purposed it. He will do it. We then can't force God's hand to say, well, because I'm doing this now, that means that prophecy is being fulfilled. Right. And to springboard right off of that, if you look at all the prophets and even Moshe, they were all reluctant. Mm-hmm. They were not out there saying, I want to do this. Don't be but, Jonah re- reluctant. But, 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 <laughs> right, but, exactly. Balance. Not that far. Balance. Not that far. Balance. <laughs> you find yourself in the belly of a whale or yeah. a tuna. Right. But, uh, but, but agreed. Yeah, yeah. They were, they're all re- reluctant to, to do that when, because ultimately it's us submitting to the will of God. That's what we are intending. That's what we have to do. And the Lord will do it in His timing in His ways, in His purpose, and it will be through moves of His Spirit inside the hearts of people who are submitted to Him that you will see the, the fulfillment of these prophecies and truly the keeping of the commandments with the, in the hearts of the people. When you, mm-hmm. when you say, well, we can't do it all perfectly. Well, I'm going to do it with my whole heart. To the best, I'm gonna, of, my I'm to the best yeah. of my ability. Yeah. And the other thing, too, is I think you, you mentioned, I think, briefly that in, someday in the future, when those, pro- when those future yeah. prophecies could be fulfilled, you have, you have, you've already done it in your heart, you have a working in your knowledge. spirit, yeah. a working knowledge of it, and then your body gets to actually physically yeah. do it. Mm. And it's like, man, mm-hmm. how much is the body, how, how, much, yeah. how much is the physical body always hurting and struggling in this day and age because our actions are dictated by television and jobs and all of these things, yet our spirit and our minds know this is what we should be doing. This yeah. is where we should be going. This is what we want to do. And then when the two get to actually do it at the same time and in the, in the future fulfillment of that prophecy, how sweet that day mm. will be. Amen. Amen. Commandments, customs, traditions. We'll do, do the best we can. That's all you can do. That's all you can do. And balance. Well, I'm going to prophesy to you that this is the end of this teaching for this week. <laughs> Hashtag prophecy. Hashtag prophecy. Don't call me a false prophet. We're a non-profit. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely a non-profit. If the Lord would stir in your true. heart to send a donation, we greatly appreciate that. Amen. All donations are tax deductible. <laughs> Non-profit. Non-profit. Daniel, close us in prayer. (laughs) Father, like the prophets, we come to you humbly today. We come to you um, 
reluctantly approaching your glorious presence, and uh, we're so grateful and thankful that you have called us out, as you did the prophets, to uh, deliver your word to the world. And Father, may we conduct ourselves in a way that brings honor and glory to your name, and may we not do anything that um, brings any kind of uh, tarnishing or um, any kind of uh, uh, disrepute to your name, but instead may we be the ambassadors that you've called us to be, and may you receive all the glory and honor through everything that we do and apply ourselves to. Father, we humbly submit our lives to you, and we pray that you would guide us and direct us And may we see that day that we do return to Jerusalem, all of us together, and we see your kingdom established, and we all will say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We look forward to that day, and we surrender our lives to you. In the name of your Son, Yeshua, we pray these things. Amen. 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 If we could all rise, please. And the Lord spoke in motion and said, Tell Aaron and his sons, This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of Yeshua the Messiah, the Prince of Peace, Shalom. Thank you for joining us for this week's Shabbat live stream. We pray that the teachings and the worship were edifying to you, but most importantly, that they lifted up and blessed the Lord because He has blessed us beyond belief. Even the ability to be able to be speaking to you today, no matter where you're at, it's a blessing. And we, we cannot thank the Lord enough for that. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, or you would like to give towards our widows and orphans and community funds to help those who are less fortunate, you can do so by visiting HebraicFamily.com. None of our staff takes any types of salaries or stipends, and all of the money is put back into furthering the work of the kingdom for the Lord. May Yeshua the Messiah bless you on the Sabbath. We look forward to seeing you next week. Shalom.